Attention residents of the high desert, did you know that a Comic-Con style event is coming to the San Bernardino Fairgrounds on February 8, 2020? Other than being a host to celebrity signings, giveaways, and a cosplay contest, we want to open the doors to the local community of businesses and give you an opportunity to sell your wares. If you want to be part of the Jay Zoman's Pop Culture Expo, contact Dave at 760-553-6906 or email him at pce at jayzoman.com. That's pce at j-a-y-z-o-m-o-n.com. Or visit us online at www.jayzoman'spopcultureexpo.com. Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. Now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, I apologize for missing last week. I do realize that I missed it, but I've just been so, so busy with PCE. It has just been, wow, it's it's been really picking up steam. More so this week and last week than pretty much anything else in the, and, you know, in the last few months. Um, what I've been doing literally all last week, I was out every single day. I was doing the old school door to door, going, handing out applications, looking for vendors, uh, promoting the event itself. Plus, we just got word, you know, last week about the, the, the wrestling card that we're, we're putting together, um, working on making sure that the belt, the world championship belt, that is being crafted in France is going to be finished on time and will be in our hands by bell time, February 8th, 2020. So it's just been really super busy to sit down and get nerdy has been really, uh, an undertaking, an obstacle almost just to, to sit in this chair and load it up and, and get nerdy. But don't worry, kids, we've got content for you this week we are here now before we get into anything i do need to put out there that jason mon's pop culture expo 2020 is coming to the san bernardino fairgrounds february 8th 2020 and we are running an sst which is called sensory sensitive ticket it's for anybody with autism ashburgers anyone that has a problem with uh sensory issues sensory overload issues like my son Jaden, he has autism and this is why I'm doing this. They get to come in with an SST, $20. They come in for an hour. We play soft music, white noise, let them walk around, open free venue, meet the celebrities, buy swag, and not have to worry about being overloaded. And 
that is from 9 to 10. And then 10 o'clock, doors open to the public and let the madness begin because we've got plenty of celebrities coming. We're still in negotiation with two more celebrities coming in. And, of course, like I said earlier, we've got a wrestling card, and it is going to be packed with action. Absolutely packed. We've got a triple threat match with Starkey, Inglesius, and Baines. And then we go into singles competition with Jordan Clearwater versus Ricky Mandel. Then we head over into some tag team action as we have High Risk versus Ricky Tenacious and Mondo Rocks. Then we go back to singles action with Ryan Morales and Eric Watts. And then in the main event for the JPWI World Heavyweight title, Blake Grayson takes on Alexander Hammerstone. And that is the main event. And that is a full card. That's going to take place in the PCE. And that's that's just just like we're not even talking about the podcasting. We're not talking about the Q&A. We're not talking about all the other stuff. I mean, it is just so, so packed. And I I know I've kind of been kind of hinting here and there, but really not talking much about it. But it is going to be a tremendous time. And if you are in the high desert area, I know a lot of my listeners actually are in the high desert area and you want to go pick up tickets right now. Go down you any comic store, any comic book store. I'm getting excited. (laughs) Any comic book store here in the high desert uh, is carrying adult tickets. Now we haven't released the children tickets yet because they're coming in very soon. But as soon as that happens, what you can do if you have a child go and Purchase because, of course, anybody under 13 and under is free. But if you, they have to be accompanied by an adult. So if you could pick up your adult ticket, and because we don't have the child tickets just yet, you can go and email, and they'll have the email to contact and give us your name and where you picked up your adult ticket. And when they come out of print, because that's where they're at right now, the children's tickets are being printed, um, we will send you one. Also, uh, a very special thing, and this is just really, really, really exciting for me, is that you can also now go to the Cricket Wireless Store here in Apple Valley, California, and you can purchase tickets for PCE. And before I head into the our regular topic, all now, if anybody that knows me knows knows me on a personal level, I grew, I graduated from Mojave High School in Hesperia, California, and Mojave High School is a graduation or continuation school. You know, so the one of these days I'll tell you about how I ended up in continuation school. But I was there, and I loved the school. There's a very special place in my heart for Mojave High School. So what we're gonna do is. Within the next couple weeks, anybody that goes to Mojave High School actively right now will be able to go into the office and say, I want a ticket, a Mojave High School ticket pass for PCE, and you will get a free admission just for being a Mojave High School student. 
All right, and that's coming real soon too. We've got a whole bunch of things planned, and it's all coming to fruition. Very excited that we've got all these, you know, vendors coming in. Um, it's just I'm like I said, I'm out there busting my hump trying to get as many as I can. We're getting great people coming in, great supporters, and it's it's going to happen. I mean, I was stressed, I was worried, but now I I can feel it. And I I was telling. Uh, the world of myth or well, she's, she's the editor in chief of the world of myth and she's the podcast host for the world of myth bits, Stephanie Barty. I was telling her, I was like, this is really the first time that I feel absolutely confident that PCE is going to happen. Things have finally this locked into place. All this presetting has finally locked into place. Also, if you're one of those people that are not interested in going out and, you know, going into public or not like wanting to drive or say you're in, I don't know, you know, if you're in Canada, you know, and you're going to be in the high desert area in February, February 8th to be specifically, and you want to buy a ticket, you can go to www dot jazomons with an s j a y z o m o n s popcultureexpo.com click on tickets and you can buy tickets there also i don't know if if the vip and all that is ready to, to go on sale but i know singlets you know just regular tickets are available to go all right, we've got just – it's just been so, so much. What a year. 2019 has been absolutely just an insane, great year. You know, we've we've all had our ups and downs in 20, 2019. But, you know, as you look back, I, I think we've, we're all kind of lucky that, you know, we're still here. We're, we're going to get to go into 2020. So that's a blessing in itself. And I'm hoping that 2020 is as – and prosperous that you know 2019 is all right gang i am getting into some things now very rarely do i cover wrestling and and uh i i'm a big wrestling fan i've been very pro aew i think that they are putting out some really great content but this storyline and this isn't really a storyline this is actually really happening it's not an angle um caught my attention and I'm like it's so crazy that I had to share it with you and it's WWE Lana Lashley and Rusev storyline brings death threats FBI involved this is you now now this is an angle okay this is a storyline this is this is you know Vince McMahon sitting down at a desk and saying you know this is going to be good. This is going to be great, you know, because it, it's like, you know, back in the 90s, that's why Jerry Springer was so popular because you would have, you know, this woman cheated with the, yeah, this woman cheated on her husband with this broom or, you know, vacuum or some weird stuff like that. And, and, you know, that's why it brings that content. And it's, I don't want to say it's make, it is make believe. It's been created. You know, Rusev and Lana are real life husband and wife. They have agreed to this storyline. Lashley has agreed to this storyline. And it's just, it's all for fun. You know, eventually at some point in time, Rusev is going to beat the crap out of Lashley. 
and everybody lives happily ever after. And by the end of next year, people will probably even forget about this whole angle. That's just how professional wrestling works. Okay, it says, Ongoing romantic dispute between Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley is not just a potential rating issue for the WWE. It is also causing serious real-life issues for one of the superstars at the heart of it all. WWE's Lana, real name CJ Perry, Rusev's real-life wife, revealed in an interview with ComicBook.com that the storyline has resulted in a slew of online harassments, including an emailed death threat. Yes. Now, this isn't angle. This is real. And this is a quote. It says, I've gotten calls from, like, WWE and the FBI, people actually threatening WWE, Lana explained. Having death threats on me, and the FBI has had to call me and protect me. That's crazy. That is just crazy. <laughs> Calm down. I mean, it's it. You know, that's it's it's scripted. Um, the the quote goes on to say, and I get death threats on my comments on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, people are bullies. I mean, today I'm opening my email account and I have a death threat on my email. She also spoke out strongly about cyberbullying in general, saying it's something that she'll continue to voice out about. You know, it's just like, wow. And it, it's and it, it says here, you know, the the, the storyline is that Lana revealed weeks ago that she and Bobby Lashley and that Rusev had driven her away with his sex addiction. This is the storyline. The storyline escalated from there, including a brief pregnancy hoax on Lana and Lashley's part to bait the Bulgarian brute in, into a restraining order. An online arrest, online, on-screen arrest of Lana and Lashley, and finally the on-screen signing of Lana and Rusev's divorce papers on Monday Night Raw. The video of the signing is currently at 2.4 million views on the WWE's YouTube channel, edging out Rey Mysterio's and AJ Styles' barn burner match for the United States Championship, 2.3 million views, which is the second most popular video of the week by 1 million views. As a part of this week's segment, Rusev officially got himself a tables match with Bobby Lashley at yesterday's, well, day before yesterday's, something like that. It was it was Sunday. Uh, TLC pay-per-view, which airs on the 15th, which was two days ago. So there you go. And I don't know the result because I didn't watch it. But I, I just had to bring that up because, you know, it, it's just crazy that you know, people are sending her death threats because it's not real. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a real story. And it just blows my mind. It's absolutely crazy. You know, uh, another thing that blows my mind is that how Hollywood has really jumped in and they've been rebooting a lot of stuff, right? And... I heard about this, my gosh, back in 2013, 2014, that they were going to remake Top Gun, right? And then they were, originally it was going to be called Top Gun 2. And then I think they settled on, well, I know they settled on Top Gun Maverick, you know. And um, 
I've, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence because as a kid, you know, we all listened to the danger zone, you know, and we all wanted to be Maverick and Goose or Maverick and Iceman. And, and it just, I don't know. It was such a great 80s movie. It's, it was part of my childhood. So now to do it almost 40 years later, I mean, granted, he still pretty much looks the same, uh, Tom Cruise. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I'm, I'm hopeful. So what we're going to talk about is how Tom Cruise takes off in new Top Gun Maverick trailer. That's right. They finally dropped it. They dropped it, and let's see what it says. It says, buckle your seatbelts. The new trailer for Top Gun Maverick has arrived. Where the teaser trailer hits all the high spots needed to get the audience prepared for Tom Cruise's return to the cockpit. The new trailer fills us in on general storyline, revealing Maverick's return in a teaching role, much to his surprise. And, of course, you can go and check that out on YouTube. But it also goes on to say, the sequel has officially announced that Tom Cruise back May of 2017. Oh, was it back? No, I knew about that before 2017. Uh... Yeah, I way before 2017 because we were still at the other location. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, according to this article, it says the sequel is officially announced by Tom Cruise back in May of 2017 with Cruise and Val Kilmer reprising their roles of the original characters. Just yesterday, Paramount released a new poster of the film. Okay, let's see. The film is a sequel to the 1986 Top Gun... Was it 1986? That means I was only nine. Huh. But still, I was a kid. Which stars Cruz Anthony Edwards as the pilot sent to the Naval Weapons School named Top Gun. There they meet Charlie, a civilian instructor at the school who eventually becomes Maverick's love interest and Iceman. Another Top Gun pilot played by Kilmer, who considered Maverick's piloting style to be too dangerous. Okay. Now, an interesting note that I should put here is that it's directed by Joseph Koskis Koskinski. And I was expecting, um, oh, goodness, the other, I can't think of his name. But, yeah, okay, but that's who's directing it. And then a screenplay by Peter Craig. And let's see what we got here. Top Gun Maverick stars Tom Cruise, Jennifer Conley, Val Kilmer, Ed Harris, John Hamm, Miles Taylor, Glenn Powell, Manny Giacchino, or Jackinto. Somebody email me. How do you pronounce that? It is J-A-C-I-N-T-O, Jackinto, or Jackie and Jack. Somebody email me and tell me, and more. This film is scheduled to be released. June 26th, 2020. So that's not bad. That's, uh, I mean, I'm looking. It's interesting. 
I'll, I'll have to check it. I, I will. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for those kind of things. I, I do watch a lot of movies, like especially ones that Jay will tell me, oh, I want to see this. I'll go see it. Um, you know, speaking of movies and in the animated world, there's uh, everybody loves Minions. Have you noticed that? And it's been a while. It's been how long has it been since Despicable Me 3? Um, was it 2017? I think. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Actually, I'm almost 100% positive without having to look it up online. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, 2017. So anyway, it's been a while. So I know my kids are. I know a few a friends of mine are like really into you know the minions, and I thought they were going to do away with them. I really did until I seen this in my newsfeed. And it says, Minions get a groovy title. Pick Bows in 2020. All right, let's see what it says. Universal and Illumination have set on a title for the sequel of their hit 2015 animated film Minions. Itself a spinoff of Despicable Me franchise. The latest film, now titled Minions The Rise of Gru, has already set for a July 3rd, 2020 release date. See, I didn't even know this. The title suggests that the pilot could be the origin story of sorts involving Gru. The Steve Carell voiced supervillain who has anchored the franchise since the start of 2010. Gru appeared as a young boy who eventually plays the big part in the Minions, which served as the origin stories of the little yellow henchmen. No pilot or casting details for the sequel have yet to be confirmed, but the first Minions was released July 10th, 2015 and grossed $1.6 billion, becoming the first pick in the franchise to top that milestone. And 27's Despicable Me 3 also got there. Deadline's 2015's most valuable blockbuster tournament pegged Minions Profit at $502 million. The entire Despicable Me franchise includes Minions is the highest grossing animated film franchise ever at most than... $3.7 billion globally. Whoo, doggy, that's a lot of money. Several tent poles have stakes in the claims around the July 4th holiday f framed in 2020. Paramount's Top Gun Maverick, see how I weave that in there, and Warner Brothers in the Heights due out the same week. After Minions bows alongside Disney's Fox's Ryan Reynolds starred Free Guy on July 3rd, new Ghostbusters and the Purge movies come out in July 10th. So there you have it. You uh, Minion fans are getting a brand new Minion movie. And it looks like, like you said, it looks like it's going to be, uh, hmm, you know, the the rise of Groot. So Groot. I am Groot. Groot. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Speaking of Marvel franchise, um, we are jumping into something. Now, I grew up as a comic book fan in the 1990s, and 1992 was the rise of Image Comics. And I, I admit, I, I was into it. I, I really 
liked their artwork. I wasn't so much into their storylines, but I dug their art. And one of the things that was just really frustrating and, and, and why I end up going back to Marvel and just sticking with being a Marvel head was because they would miss titles. Um, they would literally like, I remember one time they had t- issue like 12 come out and then all of a sudden issue what 15 would come out. And you're like, wait, what happened? And then you have to wait for 13 and 14 to come out to catch up so you could read everything. It was just it – it got crazy. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to stick with Marvel because Marvel was very consistent. And for most of that 20-something years, they've been relatively you know, on track. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't think of if they've ever missed a date. Uh, and that's why it brings me to the next topic because it's just like wow. And you know, since I'm an X-Men fan, it kind of it does kind of get under my feathers, ruffles my feathers, get under my skin rather. And it is Marvel postpones release of X-Men number five, six, and seven. I'm like, ah, all right, let's find out what their excuse is. The fifth issue of writer Jonathan Hickman's mainline X-Men series has once again been delayed by Marvel Comics, as has issue six and seven. Number five, originally slated to hit comic shops on January 1st, 2020. However, issues released was previously rescheduled for the 15th. With more recent delay, it has been pushed back another two weeks. And now... It'll go on sale January 29th, 2020. Moreover, X-Men number six, which were originally solicited for January 15th and later rescheduled for February 5th, will now go on sale February 12th. Issue number seven, following two weeks later on February 26th. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm following you. Up next for the series is X-Men number four, which is scheduled for January 1st. The date issued number five was originally solicited for. Okay. The solicitation information for X-Men number four teases the leader of the mutant nation of Kokoa attending an economic forum to make their power known to the human world. Meanwhile, issue number five teases the shocking return of one of the X-Men's oldest nemesis, while X-Men number six appears to be the center of the myst- on Mystique. Finally, X-Men number seven will take a look at how the resolution protocol have affected mutant kind. Okay, but why? It doesn't really say why. It says written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by... Linnell Francis Yu, X-Men number four goes on sale January 1st, 2020. Marvel Comics written by who I just said. Uh, let's see. Okay, I noticed right away that uh, X-Men number five is illustrated by R.B. Sylvia. Okay. And then number six is Mat- Matito... Buffanini, and then number seven is back to you. 
Hmm. Maybe there was an issue. Maybe there was uh, some type of um, interesting artist issue. And it says readers currently following the X-Men's series should take note of these new release dates. Well, thanks. That's still kind of frustrating because I was looking forward to, you know, a new issue here soon. But uh, I guess I can wait, you know. Uh, it's, um, it's all good. You know, I, I've, I know, how do I say this? It's, uh, it's been a good, good story so far. You know, I, I've, I'm three issues in four. I haven't read four. I don't even think four is out yet. What do they say? Four is coming out, uh, January 1st, but, um, it, it has that. They're trying to get that X-Men 90s feel. This is what I feel. It's it's not bad. It's it's I'm I'm buying I'm buying the issue, so you got my money. I guess that's pretty much all they need, you know, if they got my money. Speaking of gotten my money, um there is, you know, this uh big television event, Crisis on Infinite Earth, that is going on. It's a crossover through the Arrowverse. And I guess it's it's doing really well uh, again because I've been really busy with PCE. The only thing that I've been religiously watching is sticking with the Mandalorian. I haven't watched anything else, but there's big big buzz with the crisis. In fact, one of the biggest buzzes right now that I'm looking at is the the topic. It says crisis handed new Warner Brothers its perfect Superman movie. Now, I. I like the Superman that we have right now. Henry Cavill is, I think, the Superman. I think he looks great. Uh, just you believe he's Superman. Um, I personally have issues with Brandon Roth as his Superman returns uh, in 2006 because it just—I don't know. Well, number one, how do I go about this? Um. Brian Singer, and now Brian Singer says that he's, you know, he said he was an X-Men fan and he's, he's pretty much screwed up all the X-Men movies. Uh, he said he was a Superman fan and he, I thought he screwed up Superman movie. So I don't know. It just, it wasn't, it just didn't work for me, you know? In fact, and I, I've said this before and here's a little trivia. And if you don't believe me, you can actually go get the movie, the Superman Returns movie, the 2006 movie, and watch it for yourself. The only type of violence that you see from Superman is when Superman slugs the the kryptonite world land thingy into space. That's the only time he he actually combats anything. It just it was yeah. It, that's just not Superman for me. But anyway, I went on a rant. I guess it's not my show unless I go on one of my rants. So there you go, my rant. Uh, let me go ahead and, and hit you one more time because that was kind of a, a, a semi-long rant. Crisis handed Warner Brothers its perfect Superman movie. All right, and let's go ahead and dive into it. It says Crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earth doesn't only bring together every series in the CW Arrowverse, it is canonizing the plethora of DC's base series 
and movies by visiting the parallel realities where those versions of the characters exist. One of those Earths, as revealed in Part 2 of the event, is Earth-96, where Brandon Roth reprised, reprised his role as the Man of Steel from the first time since 2006 Superman Returns. There you go. Following that lackluster reception to his debut 13 years ago, it felt like Roth would never get another chance to soar as the last son of Krypton. The overwhelmingly positive reaction to his appearance in Crisis, however, proves he still has what it takes to carry the Superman movie. Now, uh, I'll, I'll get back into it, but... I, <laughs> It's not him. It's not against Brandon Roth himself. I guess it's more against Brian Singer because Brian Singer is the guy that made, you know, he's he's the conductor. He makes the wheels turn. He's the guy that puts it in that direction. So if you get a good director, you get a good screenwriter and you you put in Brian Roth, he does a good job. I could see where that's going. So okay. I I'm Again, I'm rambling. Uh, the article says, By 2006, it had been 19 years since Superman had starred in a motion picture. In 1987, the abysmal Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, appeared to have been the franchise's kryptonite. A number of proposed features, projects, failed to materialize. When the menace still finally reappeared on the big screen, though... It was in a film that oddly existed in the same continuity as the 1978 classic, without the same wit and charm that made the original so endearing. So, the demand for a sequel never, never came to pass. Instead, the so-called Disney ex Expanded Universe was retroactively born in 2013 with Zack Snyder's reboot of Man of Steel. The film was enough of a financial success to lead to 2016's Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and 2017's Justice League. But the gritty, brooding interpretation of the characters divided fandom. Now, I, I don't know, gang. I, I liked it. I did. I, I, I personally enjoyed Justice League. I thought it was good. I'm just going to put it out there. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was bad at all. I was entertained. And isn't that what it's all about, right? Is being entertained. All right, back to the article. At the moment, Warner Brothers can't seem to decide what to do with Superman's cinematic future. Michael B. Jordan reportedly has a pitch for the character. And the current Superman, Henry Cavill, has hinted he isn't done with the role just yet. But with Justice League's disappointed box office, a divided fan base, and the CW's recent success, perhaps the studio should consider picking up the story threads left by Crisis on Infinite Earth. That actually makes sense. It does. In the episode, Clark Kent, played by Taylor Hochelen. I'm sorry, I, I know I just slaughtered that name. And Lois Lane, Bitsy Tulock, and Iris West Allen, Candace Patton, are sent to monitor alternate Earths in search of another Kryptonian who will serve as the protagonist of truth in the fight against the Anti-Monitor. There, the quest, 
There, their quest takes them to Earth-96, where they meet an older Clark Kent-slash-Superman, Brandon Roth, who lost everyone he loved when the Joker gassed the Daily Planet building. Okay. And I think we talked about that briefly. You know, it shows an older Clark Kent, and he's standing behind uh, Planet Attacked, and that's a classic... Alex Roth painting. My God, I can look at it and tell you it's Alex Roth just by looking at it. But we talked about it the other day. Uh, it goes on to say, when it was announced that Roth, who played Ray Palmer in the Arrow universe, who portrayed Superman again, it was under speculation that this would be the Man of Steel from the Kingdom Come storyline. The big twist came towards the end of the episode, though. It was revealed that this Superman that Roth was played in 2006. Ah, okay. Okay, so that would mean that this is the Christopher Reeves Superman, because they just said it was a it was like a sequel to the Christopher Reeves Superman. So essentially, he's Christopher Reeves. This is Superman, which kind of makes. If that makes any sense, actually. <laughs> uh, let's see what else it says. It says, what Warner Brothers has in Crisis and Infinite Earths is a Superman who has suffered without losing his inherent positivity. He is confident, but he has his doubts. This incarnation is practically screaming to be given a featured film, which is his complexities can be explored. Fans of the DC Extended Universe will identify with his darker side and modern concerns, while purists will delight with his genuine sense of hope, ensuring a reunited fandom and the block, uh, blockbuster box office payday Superman deserves. Very cute. And, of course, yeah, I, I think I'll check that out. Um... I don't know. Something something just intrigued me about that. I don't know if it, if it's more the Brandon Roth point or if it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you can go back and watch these, these Christopher Reeve Supermans and know that they're all going to die getting gassed. I don't know. Uh, I, something, something has brought me. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Legitimately, I'm intrigued. So I might actually have to. I I believe they are on Hulu. I believe. So I might have to go dig up the because I know that there's some that just won't meet my fancy, and I I respect that. You know, it, it's just it is. I I keep getting teased by because of how conservative I am, but I'm really. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I just I like certain things in a certain way. I I don't know how to to really say it more so than that. Um but yeah. It, it's uh I I'm probably going to have to watch it. And I'll I'll start from one because I'm a purist, you know, I can't just jump into a series. I have to start with one and go to two and and go from there. Um so yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm legitimately I I'm like intrigued. I'm like, hmm, interesting. 
All right, let's see. Let's just take a peek and see what we've got for our final story of the night. Before we get into this week's uh, this week's toy toy of the week, and let's see, because we went through the content a little fast. Um. Let's go ahead and do something that I think is kind of fun. Uh, now, I, I'm a big advocate. I really enjoy Disney+. Plus. I think Disney+, Plus is worth every single dollar that I'm putting out. Shoot, Mandalorian, I think, is worth every single dollar that I'm putting out. And, um, you know, they keep promising to, to do more. And they're, 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 you know, they're just, their PR machine is just, in full force, you know, it's like, oh, you got to wait for this. You got to wait for this. And, and I was actually explaining, uh, I don't remember who I was talking to recently. It was just recently. Who was I talking to that, you know, a lot of people with like Netflix, the, the, the era of waiting, the excitement from week to week is really dying because of Netflix, how it started out. You can binge watch everything and watch all, you know, what is a series of six episodes nowadays and you're done. Okay. But you know, growing up for me in the, in the eighties, prominently eighties and nineties, um, you know, waiting for uh, something to come out every week, just added to the anticipation. It made it better because you had to wait for it. And, uh, I think that Disney doing that, building that anticipation, I think is a very, very smart move for them. So with that said, uh, the article that the final article of the night, it says Disney plus developing Turner and Hooch TV series with the gifted's creator. Now, I don't know if you, anybody who listens to this is actually going to be old enough to know what Turner and Hooch is. Um, Turner and Hooch is actually a Tom Hanks movie that came out 30 years ago, actually, because it came out in 1989. And, um, Turner is a cop. Hooch is his dog. It's, it's like a, it's a buddy cop movie, but the, the buddy is between a, a cop and the dog. It's, it's, it was a great movie. It really was. So when I saw that they were developing it, I was like, Oh, okay, let's go ahead and get into this. So the article reads, Turner and Hooch is getting a TV treatment. According to Deadline, the buddy comedy is being turned into a TV series for Disney+. The adaptation is being led by creator of The Gifted, Matt Nix, and is part of Nix's overall deal with 20th Century TV Fox, which is now owned by Disney. The series is reportedly kept to its promise of the original film, which stars Tom Hanks as the police detective who teams up with the stray dog to solve crimes. The 1989 film grossed 71 million off a $13 million budget. This is not the first time Turner and Hooch has been modified for the small screen. A pilot for the ABC half an hour comedy starring Thomas F. Wilson, Legends of Tomorrow, was ordered but never made it to series. It aired under the magical world of Disney banner in 
July of 1990. Yeah, see, something like that wasn't ready. It wasn't. It was. It was still a little too early for that kind of thing. I think for TV. Turner and Hooch is one of the many older projects that has seen the new light on Disney Plus. The streaming service debuted with the High School Musical TV series, and it also has revamped Lizzie McGuire in the works, as well as the show based on Love, Simon, and a sequel to the 1993 The Sandlot. Yep, that's the one I'm waiting for, kids. And, you know, like I said, you know, there's some things that... I will watch. There's some things I won't watch. But that's the beauty behind Disney Plus is that they give you a variety of what you will, you know. And Turner Huch, I will give it a shot. I mean, I was there. I remember as a little boy in in uh, in, in California, um, I believe it was Loma Linda. It was the, a town where we live in. Or not live, but we would go to the movies there in Loma Linda. And we actually went into a drive-in theater. And boy, if you've never been in a drive-in theater, you've you've missed a lot because they were some of the best things ever. I remember my cousin and I, we were there, and we we watched it on the big screen. It was it was great. It was to this day. I still you know when it's whenever I see it on like syndication, I always watch it. It's it's worth a laugh. So I'm I'm excited, legitimately excited to see Turner and Hooch back on you know the screen. Too bad I mean yeah, well that wouldn't work because in reality, you know, if they use like an old Tom Hanks it just yeah, it wouldn't work nowadays. I mean shoot, that was what, thirty years ago? So yeah, that wouldn't work. So of course they'll use somebody new. All right, gang, we are here at the end, and each and every week we take a look at a toy, and we call it the Toy of the Week. And the backstory behind this, before I get into the toy, Toy of the Week, is one of my my closest friends, Mario Martinez, he introduced me to the world of collecting action figures. And personally for me, I've gotten into collecting Nightmare on Elm Street figures. I have uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, 2, 3 in the video game from the 80s. Uh, in fact, after PCE is over, I, I plan on picking back up and buying more um, more figures. It's just right now I'm, I'm unable to, but I, I still I have my list. I know what figures I'm going to buy. So as a part of this, a part of this new kind of love that I have for action figures, um, I've decided to do Toy of the Week, and I've been doing that pretty consistent now, especially through episode, or not episode, but season three. So this week, we, of course, find ourselves, and this is no paid promotion. This is just where I find the best deals at, and that is at the TheBigBadToyStore.com. And this week, because it's almost Christmas, and, you know, Christmas, and I have a kind of a dark sense of humor, this week we find gremlins christmas carol winter scene two pack oh my god it is just like ah do you remember from the movie they opened the door oh what was it the 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 old man and the wife and they opened the door and you you see the two bad gremlins and they're they got the they're all dressed up you know for caroling and i ah, 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 and then the, the the husband and wife are like ah you know they scream and shut the door and run away 
Well, they literally captured this scene. It's both the two the two gremlins, uh, one with the the scarf and the hat, and the other one with the earmuffs, and they're both holding you know the the booklets to read from the you know the, the, to read the hymns or the the carols rather. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. The detail, of course, is amazing. It is from NECA. Um, NECA just creates amazing stuff, in my personal opinion. I, that's what I collect. I collect Nightmare on Elm Street from NECA, personally. Um, let's see what we got here. Product description is from the 1984 Gremlins movie. Celebrate the winter holidays with christmas carol two-pack each gremlin figure stands about six inches tall and has over 25 points of articulation including ears and jaws these little mischievous creatures are dressed for winter weather and comes with their own sheet of music product features includes approximately six inches 15.24 centimeters product is plastic over 25 points of articulation, movable ears and jaws, dressed in winter weather. The box contains the two gremlin figures, two sheets, two music sheets, a booklet, candy cane, gingerbread man, and the headless gingerbread man. And let's take a look over here because it is a pre-order. And it says pre-orders is an estimate, not a guarantee. Of course, no payment is due until the product is shipped, and the item may be canceled at any time before the payment is due. Standard grades is this is the brand new in-box brand mint. Packaging is case fresh but may have some flaws and is suitable to display in package or opened. And of course, like I said, it is made by NECA, and this bad boy, which is Actually, if you think about it, it's now you're getting two figures, okay? And it's only $39.99. And the only thing available right now is for shipping is uh, package grade. You got collectors and standard. And that's it. $39.99. And it says estimated arrival time is sometime this month. So there you go. And it is, again, if you go to Big Bad Toy Story, story, <laughs> BigBadToyStore.com, and you type in Gremlins Christmas Carol Winter Scene 2-Pack, you'll find out what I'm talking about. And, again, it's made by NECA, N-E-C-A, and it is Gremlins. Check it out. It is really cool. All right, gang, I want to thank you so much for coming in this week. Um, we are going to come back on Friday. I'm just going to throw that out now, right now because we've already got tickets for Rise of Skywalker, which uh, my son, my, my, well, all my kids, all three of my kids are going. My sister's going. I'm going. We've got the tickets in hand. We are scheduled to go see the 7 o'clock viewing this Thursday night. So when I get home, I will come back and I will do my thoughts on the podcast right here and that will be the season finale of my public life as an american nerd so there you go i hope you enjoyed this i i've been i as you can tell i think i'm over my my little poor pity me issue that i've been having i feel good life is good you know sometimes we all hit 
things. And and I'll try not to get too long here because I know we're at the 50 minute mark. But I was actually I was kind of thumbing through Facebook and I came across this post from Steve Harvey. And Steve Harvey is telling a story about how it all began for him. And he was it was 1991 and he was he had $37 to his name. He was sleeping in his car parked in hotel parking lots because they would allow it. And that's how he was living. And he was sitting there and he was, he was upset and he was crying. He said, and, and he's like, I've decided that I was just going to go home. I was going to go back to my dad and I got out of my car. I walked up to a pay phone and I was going to call my dad and say, dad, send me money so I can go come home. But for some reason he decided that back in the nineties, we didn't have the cell phone. So, um, you could go and you could leave your ne- your number on a voicemail, and then all we would have to do is call that voicemail number, punch in the code, and we would get our voicemails. Well, that's what he did. He just, for some reason he decided to check his voicemail first, and it was a gentleman from the Apollo Theater, and he was like, "Steve, if you can make it to New York in so many days, we would love to have you. The gig is seven hundred and fifty dollars." And, you know, get, come get back to me. And at first Steve was like, Oh, you know, this is, you know, this is a big thing because, uh, the live at the Apollo is a, a filmed television show. And then reality hit him and said, you know, he's got $37 to his name. He, there's no way that he's going to make it to New York on $37. So, he got all emotional. He went back to his car. He was crying. He was he was he was praying, and again he decided that he was going to call his dad and just say, "Forget it. I quit. I give up. I'm done. I give up." So he got out of his car again, walked back to the 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 payphone, and again he 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 called his his uh, answering machine service. And the, the thought that he said, the reason why is like, he's like, well, maybe they said be here by that Sunday. Maybe they meant not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday. And so he, he listened again and he's like, Nope, it's this Sunday. There's no way he can, he could get there this Sunday. But then he, for some reason decided to listen because there was one more message and he didn't listen to and it was this other guy, and I believe he said it was uh, Tampa, Tampa, Florida. They were in Tampa. And he's like, you know, Steve, uh, we, we have an opening, and it's a gig. You make it here. It's $100 a night, I believe it was. And, um, you know, you come and you'll get paid. And Steve was like, that's, it's only three hours away. I can do that. You know? So he, from what I understand, he put the rest of his $37 in his gas tank, drove down to Tampa and did the show. Now he did, he did the show and they liked it. In fact, they ended up booking him, I believe for three more shows because he, he had $300 after the weekend. And or no, 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 no. He did, he did three sets. He did, he, so he did, he made $300. I know he did that. So he went 
and bought a ticket, airline ticket, left his car in the, the parking lot of the airlines, flew to the Apollo. He got there at – which is in New York. He got there at 11 a.m., he said. And he he introduced himself, and, and the guy's like, nice to meet you. Well, I'll see you tonight. Um, you you, come, you go on last, which is at 11 o'clock. And Steve is like, look, man, I, I don't have no money. I don't have no place to stay. If you just let me in, I will keep my mouth shut. I will keep, stay out of people's way. And he goes, I, you know, don't leave me out here because, you know, I've got victim written all over me, which cracked me up. And the guy's like, okay, 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 come in. I'll show you where to say, don't say a word. Don't come out of this room. Just stay there. So they go all the way up to the sixth floor. And it was, what do you say? It was about 11 o'clock. So Steve was up there by himself where all the comedians would go. And he said it was about three or four in the afternoon where he was starting to get hungry. And he's like, well, I, I know I, I said I wouldn't come out, but I'm getting hungry. And I know there's a KFC right down the street. So he decided he walked down. And he was saying that, you know, he got he, he got spotted by the guy. And he's like, you know, boy, I told you not to go down those stairs. And Steve was like, look, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten nothing. I do have a couple bucks for like two pieces of chicken from KFC. And just let me go get some food. I'll go run. I'll run right back. I'll go right back up there, and you won't see me until 11 tonight. And the the manager's like, you've got 20 minutes. If you're not back in 20 minutes, you're not getting inside until it's time for you to do your set. So Steve went, and he ran. He got his chicken. He came back. He went upstairs. And he's eating his chicken, and you know everything kind of blew over. He was just kind of chilling by himself. Then the other comedians started to show up, you know, a few hours later. Um, D.L. Hughley, Dwayne Johnson, who is The Rock, but before he even got into wrestling, and Jamie Foxx. And they were all talking and, and getting along and introducing themselves to each other. And Steve was talking about, you know, how everybody would go on to, to greatness. And... That night, they were just, you know, four dudes just sitting there talking, you know, just being normal, four dudes, like anybody would talk. So D.L. Hughley was the first one to go on. He was the show opener. And he got booed off the stage. And Steve said he was shocked because D.L. was really, really funny to him. And then Dwayne went on there. And sure enough, he got booed off. Then the third person up, of course, was Jamie Foxx. Now, Jamie Foxx is like the it guy. He's a great actor, great singer, great comedian. But he went down there and they started booing him. And he got up or well, first he stopped his set, you know, his set of jokes. And he went over to the piano and he started playing the piano and being silly and people were digging it. And then so he decided to stop playing the piano and start telling more jokes and they started booing him and he's Jamie's like, forget it, I'm out of here. So he left. So now it was Steve Harvey. It was Steve Harvey had to close the show. And he said, you know, it had been hours since he had eaten those two pieces of chicken and he was nervous. He was going to throw up. And, and, you know, on the way to New York while he was on the plane, 
he wrote this joke about Mike Tyson. Now, mind you, this is back in 1991 when Mike Tyson was still very active and beating people up. And he got in a fight and he was watching this thing while he was waiting for his, his uh, plane to arrive that the guy he got in a fight with, you know, the, they were interviewing him and he, he was just like that eye that Mike Tyson hit him in. It was just like swollen. So he started writing a joke about how this guy was doing the interview, but all of a sudden his, his eye came alive and was answering the questions like, you know, Oh boy, he hit me hard. That kind of thing. It was just hysterical. And after his set, the jokes, he got a standing ovation. And that was it. That was the start of things. So he got his $750. He went back to Florida and then a week later, the same promoter who promoted him, well, not promoted him, but brought him in originally, the one that got the whole ball rolling, said, hey, we're doing an open mic night, and we want you to host. Can you be there? And, of course, Steve Harvey was like, I'm there. I'll be there. And sure enough, he was there. He hosted. And what they usually do, and this is what he was explaining. I didn't know this. This was just what was brought to my attention was that during the break, like this this trainer guy would come out and try to cut jokes and, and keep people entertained. But Steve Harvey realized that you drop the energy because he doesn't know the feel of the room. He goes in there cold. So he decided that he was not only going to be the host of the open mic night, but he was also going to be the guy that or is like the stand-in, the filler, to keep keep the, the energy going throughout the night. and. It was a great set. So what had happened was because he did such a great job hosting, the promoter called him back and said, hey, do you want to be the host of Apollo Live? And, of course, he said yes. And then from there, for the eight years that followed, he said that no other person has been the host of Apollo Night at the Apollo for eight years other than him. And that was what launched him into stardom because it was all on TV and people knew they they knew who Steve Harvey was, you know, and that's what propelled him into to what he is now. But to to weigh the beginning of the story of him crying alone, cold, in his car, in a parking lot with thirty seven dollars. And now being a millionaire, the host of his own TV show, The Steve Harvey Show. And the reason why I bring that up is because I've been on the verge of just saying forget it. I, I've been battling this, this depression and I don't really want to get into why I've been having this depression. But I've been on the verge of just saying forget it. Just walking away and forgetting everything. And I can relate to Steve in that that point where you just want to give up. But no matter how hard it hurts, you just keep going forward. And you'll find your bucket of gold or your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But you gotta to get to the end of the rainbow first. And that's gonna that's it's it's an all it's an uphill climb. Every single bit of it is an uphill climb. 
And for me, that very, that touched my soul and inspired me not only as, you know, the, the entrepreneur, but me as David Kevin Montoya, the person, the human being, it touched my soul. It inspired me. It gave me a little bit more drive. So I wanted to share all that with you as well. And I have gone over an hour. I thank you so much. Come back Friday. We're going to review the final film in the trilogy, the third and final trilogy of the Skywalker trilogy, I guess is what they're calling it. So for this, not not this week, but for this episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am your host, David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu.